0: This episode is brought to you by Sound Ag. Today on Ag News Daily.
1: I tried to peg, you know, several major macro factors that I thought were hurting us pretty substantially on the demand front when it came to 2023, the Federal Reserve policy being number one and China being number two.
0: Well, listeners, my name is Jennifer Holiday, old voice on the podcast, but I am back today and this week. Today is just me and you'll get to hear from Delaney doing an interview here soon. But for today, we're going to jump into some weather to start us out as rainfall is set to continue in Mato Grasso. In the first half of January 2024, the rains have returned to the center-west region of Brazil. However, for some, the rain has arrived a little too late to salvage soybean crop. Delays in soybean planting are likely to have a knockoff effect for the second corn crop, sarafina. Meanwhile, southern Brazil has seen a change from the exclusively wet conditions from earlier in the season to much drier trends by early January 2024. For the first week of this month, week ending January 6th, precipitation trended closer to normal for this time of year in Mato Grasso. When looking at the total precipitation amount for the state of Mato Grasso as a whole, the first week of January 24 was the wettest so far this season, and the wettest week since mid-March 2023. The heaviest rainfall for the first week of January extended from portions of Mato Grasso southeastward to Minas Gerais and up through the state of Pará. Wetter conditions have helped to keep temperatures from reaching excessive levels in Mato Grasso, although this was still the eighth warmest first week in January in 30 plus years for the state as a whole. Showers and thunderstorms are likely to continue for portions of central Brazil into the second week of January 2024, with the week ending January 13th. The heaviest rain is favored for an area from Mato Grasso to northern Minas Gerias. While this rainfall is certainly much needed, again, this may be too late to salvage soybean crops in some areas. Additionally, rainfall is going to continue to replenish soil moisture and alleviate the threat to the second corn crop, which relies heavily on soil moisture to sustain the crop after the wet season ends. Drier weather is expected to Continue just south across the Mato Grasso do Sol, where this forecast to be the seventh driest second week of January in 30 plus years. And moving into some more international news, we're going to move into some news in Germany where farmers across the nation on Monday, so today, began protests against the government's economics and agricultural policies, blocking roads and highways with tractors and marching through major cities. Some signs carried by protesters and attached to tractors had messages such as no farmer, no food, no future, along with signs saying when farmers are ruined, food has to be imported, written on them. Local media quoted police authorities as saying some farmers had dumped hay, animal feed and manure in roads in an effort to block them. Farmers are protesting the government's plan to reduce or withdraw tax breaks for the agriculture sector, which were announced in late December as part of the 2024 budget. The plans included subsidy cuts for the fuel usage by farmers and tax breaks for farming vehicles, which sparked anger among farmers who say this would endanger their livelihoods. Germany's 2024 budget plans include significant cuts and limitations to make up for financing whole worth tens of billions of euros. Shortly after the Constitutional Court ruled that a reallocation of emergency COVID-19 funds to the current budget was unlawful. The government has since walked back some of its plans for the agriculture sector, saying last week that tax tax exemptions for agricultural vehicles would continue and subsidies for fuel would be gradually phased out rather than fully axed imminently. The German Farmers Association said, though, that these steps do not go far enough and pushed ahead with their protests. For another aspect of international news... One of China's largest wealth management firms has declared bankruptcy on Friday. Rumors have been circulating about the firm, which controlled more than 1 million yuan or 140 billion US dollars since August of last year. The company said in November that it was unable to meet its liabilities, totaling as much as 460 billion yuan or $64 billion due to its large exposure to the Chinese real estate sector. Zongzi's bankruptcy is one of the largest among Chinese financial institutions in recent years, reflecting the deep risks of China's property sector to its financial systems. Analysts estimate that Zongzi was short as much as 260 billion yen, or $36 billion, of meeting its obligations to investors. Soft property prices and sluggish sales are expected to persistently intensify cracks in China's financial system in the months ahead as they erode Chinese household wealth. As such, we're going to need to see a turn in the property sector before we can expect to see a change in China's economic well-being. And taking more of a national approach to our news here, a warning was issued to the Healthy Rebels. The United States is part of a coalition demanding the Healthy Rebels stop their attacks on ships moving through the Red Sea. A joint statement has been issued by 13 countries, including Canada, Australia, Japan, and the United Kingdom. The statement said the ongoing attacks are illegal, unacceptable, and profoundly destabilizing. The coalition said this was their final warning. The Iranian-backed the Houthis have been attacking the commercial shipments to support Palestine in their war with Israel. There have been 25 attacks in the past two months. Moving into the final story for the day, an agreement on spending limits may prevent USDA shutdown. House and Senate leaders announced an agreement on Sunday to limit federal spending to $1.66 trillion this fiscal year, a step toward averting a partial government shutdown in 11 days. Stopgap funding expires on January 20th for the Agriculture, Transportation, Energy, Veterans, and Housing and Urban Development departments. While these final spending levels will not satisfy everyone and they do not cut as much spending as many of us would like, said Speaker Mike Johnson in a letter to House Republicans, it creates an opening to fight for the important policy writers, including our House FY24 bills. On the contrary, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Democratic Leader Hakim Jeffries said, we have made it clear to House Speaker Mike Johnson that Democrats will not support included poison pills policies, changes in any of the 12 appropriations bills put before Congress. The House Freedom Caucus said on social media, the agreement on top-line spending was even worse than we thought and a total failure because outlays would be higher than the conservative group wanted. Congress has not passed any of its usual appropriations bills for fiscal fiscal 2024. Lawmakers would have to work quickly to pass the spending bills before money runs out on January 19th for part of the government and on February 2nd for the rest of it. Unnamed sources were familiar with the situation and said another short-term spending bill running through March 1st might be needed. Well, that was a lot of news to get through for this Monday afternoon. And as you can tell, we are struggling with reading some news today. So we're going to just wrap up this episode by talking about some markets. So, looking at our grain markets to start us out for this afternoon, corn for March of 24 is in the red five and three quarters, leaving it at 455. May corn is in the red five and three quarters as well, bringing it to 6,4,67 and a half. March soybean is down 10 and three quarters, 12:45 and a half. May soybeans is down nine and a half, bringing it to 12,54 and three quarters. Moving into our March hard red winter wheat, it is in the red 12 and three quarters, bringing it to 6:15 and a quarter. Our spring wheat for March is down 9.5, leaving it at 7.02 and a half. Switching over to our livestock for this afternoon, our February live cattle are down 62 cents, bringing it to 169.95. April live cattle is in the red 37 cents, bringing it to 173.02. March feeder cattle is in the green, 92 cents, bringing it up to 22.5.075. Our February lean hogs are also up 60 cents, bringing it to 70.6. And closing us out, our April lean hogs are up 1.15, bringing us to 77.52. Our market interview today on this market Monday is with. Mike Zuzulo. So let's jump into it.
1: Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crops potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag.
2: Well, folks, for today's Market Monday conversation, I'm very excited to introduce a new voice to the podcast, although not a new voice to the risk management space. Chatting today with Mike Zuzolo, the founder of Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Certainly excited to welcome you.
1: Great to be with you, Delaney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on your program.
2: So Mike, I've heard you before on various other programs, but uh, give us just a little bit of your background and how you started Global Commodity Analytics before we dig into today's market conversation.
1: Sure. I I started in 1995, right before the really nice big demand-led bull market uh, as a registered commodities representative and started my uh, career with Utterback Marketing. uh, Shortly after being with him, uh, probably about a year, year and a half, and with his firm, Uh, the uh, livestock analysis opened up and I became the livestock analyst for Utterbacks. right after nine 11 uh, took a turn and wanted to start my own company, started my own company with three other gentlemen. Uh, This was in Indiana. And uh, as soon as our children became college age, uh, we wanted to send them all to a small uh, faith-based college in Northeast Kansas called Benedictine college And the best way that we could do that on one income was to move our whole family and our business which really worked out to be a huge blessing and, and really was a very smooth transition. So we've been in Atchison, Kansas as Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting LLC since 2013. The company is now celebrating in 2024 its 15th year. And so very excited about that. Um, also would remark to Delaney, uh, we met at National, the NAFB, meeting in Kansas City right around Thanksgiving. And uh, we were able to talk then after I talked about the the global markets and how they affect the commodities. And so that's been something I've worked on ever since starting um, out on my own. And, uh, you know, again, a very big blessing since they've become more and more impactful of our commodity markets, both grain and livestock. It's not just about supply demand anymore.
2: Absolutely. It's a, certainly a changing global market, as we know. And there's a lot of factors this week coming up in particular that are going to shape the story once again. I want to dig in here first to start, Mike, with the WASDE report coming up later this week. What are your estimates for the report? What's your outlook for the report? And do you think we see USDA start to chip in, chip down once again at South American production?
1: Yeah, these are great questions. And and again, I'm so excited to be with you to answer them. I I think that the biggest thing I see in the WASDI report is a potential reset in these markets in that the markets have once again, without a Santa Claus rally in the corn and bean markets. And in fact, the the opposite direction we've moved since Christmas uh, holiday. Um, the, The idea that I would propose out there to my clients and subscribers right now is that the commodity markets in general led by the crude oil and led by the wheat are beginning to show a very significant fear of demand in 2024. A global recession is part of the equation. The Red Sea problems and transportation logistic issues, Delaney, are part of the equation. The currencies are part of the equation. And I think especially in the soybeans since the Christmas holiday, we've seen them join up essentially with the corn and wheat in a removal of a weather premium. And so when we went into the Christmas holiday, you could argue with improved weather in South America on the horizon, either beans were too expensive or corn and wheat were too cheap. Well, the market has decided that these bean markets have been too expensive. This lines us up with that WASDE report in that I think there's been enough damage from weather already and that we are not hurting on demand globally in corn, beans, or wheat at all at this point, um, that if that's correct, then we should see USDA cut both corn and soybean supplies out of Brazil, especially. Um, I'm still below, uh, just below a 2 billion bushel carryover in the corn that we just harvested here in this country. want to see if that materializes, but I would say, generally speaking, if I'm right and the market sees a reduction in supply by USD on Friday, they may be feeling on Friday afternoon that they overdid it to the downside on this weak demand play.
2: Yeah, demand certainly has been, I think, top of mind for a lot of folks. And as we look at today's market uh, movement lower in particular, is this a demand driven sell off here today?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I, I tried to peg you know, several major macro factors that I thought were hurting us uh, uh, pretty substantially on the demand front when it came to 2023, the Federal Reserve policy being number one and China being number two. When I woke up this morning and saw that the Chinese stock market made a fresh five-year low and looked over at the crude oil market down three to four percent, I had very little confidence that there was going to be any kind of support in this market, because we still can't shake that negative China, deflationary China, uh, China invasion of Taiwan, you name it. It's really related to China and kind of all roads, for the most part, point back to China now that the Federal Reserve has kind of neutralized itself in its monetary policy. And I think that's where the trade's trying to project a weakening of demand, but just to give you an idea, going into this Friday's WASDI report, I think we've forgotten the idea that the world wheat stocks to use ratios are at a nine to ten year low in terms of supply left over after demand. And if I'm right about a corn crop in Brazil uh, being closer to a 118 versus USDA's 129, I think corn could join the wheat in terms of global stocks to use being at an eight to ten year low as well.
2: Mike, as we look at other factors here today, uh, you know, outside of the grain markets, we've got this big winter storm coming into the northern plains and the Midwest. What's that going to do here longer term, you think, for the outlook on a lot of drier areas for crop conditions, but also what's this impact going to have on the cattle market
1: Yeah, I think if I had to say one thing about Monday's trade that made sense to me, it was the fact that the hard red wheat was a liability to the market. And and again, I'll stress in my analysis that I found over the past 15 years, you can draw a lot of, I think, good analytical conclusions that wheat needs to stage the rally first, especially in relationship to corn but in grains overall to bring the funds and the investment flows back into the ag sector into the ag grain commodity futures so as far as livestock though delaney i think this is a really interesting dynamic because the cattle on feed report um, shows us in the last several months especially with those big jumps in september and october placements that we are going to have a very strong supply of market-ready cattle through April. And the weekly numbers that were just posted by USDA, I really enjoy looking at the beginning of the year. Um, Production for beef was up eight-tenths of a percent versus last year for this first week of uh, 2024 with the actual slaughter down one and a half percent. We're going to continue to see that trend of only about one and a half to two percent less until we get more into Q2, I think. But with these bigger weights, we're not gonna feel that much less cattle in terms of market-ready production. So this brings into the idea, will the winter and the plains coming, essentially three weeks early, change the dynamic the trade has as far as ample supplies, I'm fearful that we could see that because I've talked to clients in Nebraska and Kansas already on Monday, and they're starting to become very, very concerned, not just with the snow, but especially with these extremely cold temperatures that are lining out at the end of the week. So if we see those last all the way through the weekend and into next week, I'm very nervous that we're going to see some death loss issues.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And when it's cold like that, they don't want to eat. It's just, uh, it's a uh, weight comes down during periods of extreme cold like this. So longer term, how does that impact, you know, let's talk April live cattle here in particular, we have come off the highs that we saw earlier last year, December, we put in maybe a short term low question mark there. Uh, but where do we head from here? Where do we find some footing?
1: Yeah, this is a market, I think, if, if I sat down with someone brand new, a cattleman or a rancher and, and tried to depict this market, I think it's very similar to 2014, 2015, where yes, we're losing domestic supply, but with a stronger dollar, we're offsetting that with higher beef imports. And that to me was one of the keys to what happened in 2014, 15, that also happened in late 2023 and now in early 2024. And so if we don't see a break in the U.S. dollar, then we do need to bring the supply side down, especially if um, some of the economic data that I look at would point to we're already in a manufacturing recession in this country, I believe, and we're probably heading towards a services sector recession as we get to the middle of the year. So we really need to see uh, demand hold up, um, especially in the form of less imports and um, supply hold up in terms of less imports and the demand stay pretty constant. But it's interesting you bring up the April fat cattle because both February and April fats have a gap above the market. February, for instance, now lead month futures is, is still having a gap set up with it up around 186 to 188. Um, so it's you know essentially $20 higher than where we are right now. And I think these are the types of fundamental supply-demand issues like weather, and and if we have a bad winter um, in in January when most of the market was expecting it to be in February, uh, if if this winter takes hold, um, I would not be surprised to see the funds buy into this market and try and fill that gap. If they do, and my 2014-2015 model year uh, holds up this through the next 60 to 90 days, that's where you want to really get some hedges back in place. A lot of uh, clients or I should say new clients that are coming on board missed it the first go around. They don't want to miss it again. And I couldn't agree more with that uh, sentiment.
2: Well, Mike, that is that time went really fast. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. But if our listeners want to pick your brain and chat markets a little bit more with you, what's the best place to find you?
1: Best place is our website, globalcomresearch.com. And I just put up a brand new three-month subscription. Uh, You get all of our analysis, including our text blast for $100 uh, for the next three months. So please take advantage of that and see if you like what we do. It's all independent analysis and research that we do here.
2: Fantastic, Mike. Well, we'll be sure to have you on the podcast again really soon, but thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Delaney. Have a great new year.
2: Well, listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of
0: Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm excited to be with you all this whole week. We are going to bring Delaney back on tomorrow morning, so we will chat with you all more then. For now, we are going to let you go.